Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. I want you to go with me tonight to the book of Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts chapter 4 tonight. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture and then uh, talk about it a little bit tonight. Uh, expound on what I believe that the Lord uh, has, has shown me, what the Lord has been speaking to me. And I hope that tonight that this will be a blessing to you. Uh, Acts chapter 4. Let's begin reading at verse 29 if we can. Acts chapter 4. Begin reading at verse 29. We're going to read down through verse 31 as a text tonight. And the Bible says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By the stretching forth of your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. Now listen to verse 31. Verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, yeah. I just keep that, keep that in your mind. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they were all, somebody say all, all. not some, not 50%, not, not three quarters, not 99%, but all were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to talk to you tonight if the Lord would help me on just a simple on just a simple thought. I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of Lord pour out your spirit. Lord pour out your spirit. You may be seated in the house of the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord. God, I just ask you, Lord God, in these next few moments of time, Lord God, that you would just help us. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen, amen. and amen. So the Bible warns us of perilous times. We understand that. We understand that the Bible speaks to us that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Paul would write about that. He would say that there would be some that would depart from the faith, giving, giving heed to seducing spirits. They would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of devils. He would begin to talk about those people in the last days who would have a form of godliness, but they would have no power. John the Revelator would talk about in Revelation chapter 3 when Jesus would begin to speak to the church at Laodicea and he would say, you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're just kind of 
indifferent about everything that is going on. He says, I would that you would be hot or cold, but because that you are lukewarm, I'm going to, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And so we understand that even in these last days, we're dealing with a lukewarm church. We're dealing with lukewarm people. We're dealing with people who have a form of godliness, but they have no power. We're dealing with people who the Bible says that would depart from, uh, would depart from the faith. He would also warn us that in these last days that there would be false Christ or false messiahs that would arise. There would also be false prophets that would arise in the last days claiming that they are speaking for God. Claiming that they are speaking for the anointed one that we sung about here tonight. But really that is not the case. Now that may all seem like some bad news. And on the surface that is bad news. Because all that we have to do tonight church is just begin to look at the landscape. The spiritual landscape of what is going on in our land. I don't have time to talk to you about everything that's going on in the world. So let's just look at the American church right now. Let's just look at what is going on in our nation at this moment. And I believe that just simply by observation, by seeing everything that is going on, we can definitely say that we are living in the last days. We are living in some very dark times. We are living, as a matter of fact, we have, we, we have heard it said before, there were preachers that said it before in the past that if God did not judge America for its sins, it would have to raise up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize. He would have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at what is happening in our nation right now. And the fact is, is I think that we've kind of we've kind of uh, bypassed the actions of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. When we look at everything that is, when we look at everything that is going on, when we have trouble identifying what a woman is, come on, come on. When 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 kids don't know whether or not if they're kids, and some and, and now 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 we're trying to debate in schools on whether or not if we can be dogs or cats or 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 whatever the case or whatever the case may be. When we don't even know when we, we don't even know what we are. Come on, somebody help me here tonight. When we don't even know when when we. When preachers in America today are standing up and instead of preaching the, the unadulterated gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're getting up and we're giving our political talks and we're giving our motivate and we're giving our motivational speeches and we're giving, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to tickle itching ears. We're, 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 we don't want to offend anybody. We don't, we don't want to preach the hard things any. We don't want to preach the hard things anymore because we're afraid that somebody will take their time to a church down the road. You ain't helping me preach right now, but I'm preaching good. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible had already prophesied of those times. But I've got good news for you in this house tonight. I've got good news for you in this house tonight. I've got good news for you in the fact that the church, the true church of the living God, the true church, the remnant church that we have heard so much about, we have actually been equipped for these last days. We have actually been equipped for such a time as this. We have actually been empowered by the Holy Spirit for such a time as this. Why? Do, why are you, what are you saying, preacher? Because the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 2 that when the Holy Ghost was poured out on, uh, on the 120 and the upper room, 
amazed at what was going on. They didn't understand it. Some of them mocked. Some of them, some of them were curious. And Peter stood up under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last days. How many are saying that we are in the last days right now? That in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men will drink, drink, drink. Your young men will see visions. And upon my servants and upon my headmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I want to tell you tonight, church, it may seem like it's dark. It may seem like that the nation has lost their ever-loving mind. But it is a great time. For the church of the living God to arise in these last days and to understand that we are equipped for this very moment because we understand that it is not by might nor is it by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. You see, what I have found out in our text here is that every time that evil arises, God's spirit is poured out. Think about this. Let me just give you a little foundation to what we're getting ready to talk about. You actually have to go back to the previous chapter. You have to go back to the book of Acts chapter 3. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 3, now Peter and John were going up to the hour, up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And in this moment, there was a lame man that was laid at the gate. The Bible says that he was laid at the gate called Beautiful. He was laying in his feet. He hadn't walked, couldn't get up. People had to help him there. And while he is there, he is begging alms of the poor for everyone that is going into the temple. But the Bible says that on that day, Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And when Peter and John see this lame man, they look at him and they say, hey, look at us. The lame man is looking up at them expecting to receive something. Peter looks at this lame man and says, Silver and gold have I done. I don't have what you are actually looking for, but I have something greater than what you think that you need. He says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that Peter reaches down, grabs this lame man by the hand, jerks him up, the, his, his feet and ankle bones receive strength. And the Bible says that he goes leaping and praising God into the temple. Hallelujah. Now, I want to tell you something. You would have thought at that moment, my goodness, let's have revival. Right. Well, the truth of the matter is revival did break out. Because at that moment, everybody was astonished. Everybody was amazed at what was happening. Everybody, everybody just saw this is the man that sat in bed. And that gives Peter the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter begins to preach. Now this is the second message that Peter has preached. Now I'm telling you, what, 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 a, what a great start to Peter's ministry. The first time that he preaches, he preaches on the day of Pentecost. And over 3,000 come to know Jesus Christ. And when this miracle happens, he preaches Jesus and Him crucified. And when it's all said and done, 5,000 come to know Jesus. 
Now think about that. Harvest time. How would you like God to move in such a way in this church that within just a few weeks time we didn't have anybody, we didn't have room to put everybody in this church. Amen? And so, and you would think in just a couple of weeks time we go, we go from a church running 120 to a church running 8,120. I don't have a blueprint for it. I don't, I, 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 we don't know how to handle it. But this is just what God is doing. And you would think that everybody is excited about what God is doing. But there's some religious folk that are not excited about this. I'm just laying a foundation here for where we're getting ready, from where we are getting ready to go. Because when he, when this lame man is healed, you would expect everybody to be excited. See, tell you, even people in the church, not everybody gets excited when God starts moving. Amen. Oh, because see, when God starts moving, it it upsets everything. It disrupts everything. You see, we're 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 praying for revival. We're seeking God for revival. We're asking God to pour out His Spirit. And more often than not, I truly believe, do we really know what we're asking God for? Do we really understand what happens when God seriously begins to send revival? When God seriously begins to pour out His Spirit. When God seriously begins to turn the hearts of the sons and daughters back unto Him. When people actually start getting delivered. When people start actually getting set free. Oh, you're getting quiet on me right now. When people actually start... When, when, when demons start crying out in the middle of the church service. And everybody starts feeling uncomfortable. You see, because revival... Revival actually disrupts everything. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those religious people, they were just comfortable going at their set time to the hour of prayer, doing their little sacrifice, saying their little prayer. Oh, you know how it is. Come in at 11, get out by 12. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, baby, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Get 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 in by get in at eleven. Get out by twelve. We'll have church on Sunday morning. We'll have church on Sunday night. We'll have church on Wednesday. We'll have church on Wednesday night. And as long as everything's in that little box and in that little and just packaged just right, that's fine. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. Because not everybody, not everybody gets excited when God starts moving. Come on. Come on. And these Pharisees and these Sadducees didn't get excited. The religious folk, and they said, wait a minute, so let's call Peter and John in on here and let's talk to them. And they begin, they begin to basically put them on trial. Time will fill me to get into all of this. But at the end of it, they are threatened. These religious folks threatened Peter and John and forbid them for speaking in the name of Jesus. Don't speak in this name. Don't speak. 
They, they don't say anything, Peter and John, that will just that'll ruffle the feathers. Don't say anything that will offend anybody. Because I want to tell you, Peter's preaching was offensive. How would you like the preacher to look at you and go, hey, oh, by the way, guess what? You crucified Jesus. See, that, that ain't politically correct preaching. Amen? That's not a feel-good message. That's not something that lifts our spirits. That's not something that makes us want to have, that, that makes us want to shout and run the aisles. We, you, know, you get some preachers that preach like that in some churches that they'll lose a crowd very quick-like. They say, don't preach in this Jesus. Don't, don't say anything offensive. Don't, 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 interrupt our, don't interrupt what we've got going on. But Peter and John looked at them and said, hey, I don't know whether or not if it is, if it is better for us to hearken unto you than it is to hearken unto God. You can, you can just be the judge of that. But I know this, but we cannot help but speak the wondrous works of God. I can't listen. You've come, my God. I feel. I feel this on me right now. You've come by too late. Listen. I don't. I, I don't know about all that you're saying, but I, I didn't come to tickle. I didn't come to tickle ears. I didn't come. I didn't come to make people feel comfortable. I didn't come to make friends and to influence people in this ministry. Oh my goodness! I'm, I didn't. I, I didn't come here to raise an offering. I didn't come here to do any of this. What I have come. All we can know to do is to speak what the Lord has given us. All we know to do is just to speak whatever it is that God has laid on our heart. What we have seen. That those things that we have heard. Those things that we have handled. And the Bible says that they begin that they threaten Peter and John. And said, and sent them on their way. Sent them on their way and said, hey, don't, don't preach anymore. Now Peter and John, they go back to the church and they get all the saints together. And here's where I want to, here's where I want to get to tonight. They get to them together and they say, hey, and the church wants an update. What happened? What happened to you, Peter? What happened to you, John? What happened in this, what happened in this moment? And they begin to give them the rundown. So what are you gonna what are we gonna do? The, 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 the people don't want us. The, the religious crowd doesn't want us. The, 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 the countries don't want us. What are we gonna do? And I can just imagine, I don't know who it was, but somebody stood up and said, Let's pray. Let's begin to pray. And all of a sudden the church begins to pray. And the church begins to intercede. And the church begins to cry out to God. And they say, Hey, listen, God. We know that you are God. We know that you are the one that created the heavens. We know that you are the one that spoke the stars into existence. We know, God, that you are the one, God, that told the ocean that you could come this far. You're the one that spoke to the ground and commanded the ground to bring forth the green grass. You're the one, God, that spoke to the ocean and told the ocean to bring forth all, all the sea creatures. God, you were the one that reached down and picked up a handful of dust and you called forth man and you breathed into his nostrils the breath of God and man became a living soul. You're the one that parted a red sea. You're the one that took a little rock and brought down a giant. You're the one, God, that took a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil and you sustained the widow woman and her son through a famine. You're the, you're the one that came down in chariots of fire 
took Elijah out of this place. You're the one that came down to where Enoch was, and Enoch walked with you, God, and he was not because he because you took him. You're the one that was in the middle of the lion's den with Daniel. You were the fourth man in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You were you were the oh my goodness, you were the one. You were the one that spoke out and stepped out in the middle of a boat, and you said, "Peace be still," and the peace was sitting in peace in the winds. The storms were laid down. He said, Now behold their threatenings, Lord God, and grant unto your servants all boldness that we may be able to stand up and we may be able to declare the word of the Lord. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord began to fall in this place. Let me tell you right now tonight, church, that it may seem like that it is dark, it may seem like that hell is fighting, it may like seem like the things are in disarray, but when you begin to cry, Oh, my goodness. And that is my cry tonight. God, pour out your spirit. How did this happen? How did this happen? How did this happen with these people? Because we look at everything that's going on right now and we say to ourselves, how are we going to overcome this? The enemy is fighting. It seems like that. It seems like that everywhere that we turn, the enemy is getting a foothold. You know, I'm a statistics guy. Let me just share with you some statistics. Atheism in the last 10 years has grown by 80%. And our nation. The church. The church has shrunk. By 20%. In our nation. How do we fix that? How do we do that? Well if you ask some people. If you ask the. Experts. The experts will tell you what you need to do. Is you need to get the brightest minds in the room. And try to figure this out. Try to figure out a new program. Yeah. Try to figure out. Try to figure out a way to entice people to come to church. But here's the problem with enticing people to come to church: is that if it takes a circus to get them to come to church, every once in a while you've got to parade out the clowns. Ah, mm. uh, this is this is a word for us tonight. If every time I, I love, I don't got, I, I love, I love what Pastor got nothing against coffee and donuts, got nothing, got nothing, got nothing against pizza parties or whatever. But if ever, but if, but if every so often we've got to throw a pizza party, we got to throw, we got to throw, uh, we got to throw a festival, we got to throw uh, coffee and donuts just so that we don't lose people. So what we've become, instead of Holy Ghost filled people, we've become marketers. That's okay, Pastor. We've become marketers. And we've we poll the people. What do you like? What 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 will bring you to a church? 
And so we become a people. I, I, I shouldn't be preaching like this. But we become a people of consumers. That's so, that, and, so, and so we, we shop for churches like we shop for cars. Well, pastor, what do you have for my kids? What kind of worship do you have? What kind of, what, what, so in essence, Sister Tanya, we say, what kind of deal can you give me if I come to your church? And if we don't like the deal at this church, then we'll go to the church down the road and see what's going on. Okay, I'm going to preach. Okay, here we go. I, I've, lived, I've, lived in the, I've lived in this community long enough uh, to, to see some things, and so I'm, so I, so I'm just going to speak to it. We got people. See, because here's the thing. I grew up in a culture. My mama taught me that we went, we went to a church where the Spirit of the Lord was moving. We didn't go to the church that was closest to home. And what? And, and sometimes I tell you, and I've talked, and, I, you know, and I've talked, I've talked to people. I've talked to people, and they say, "Oh, you know." I've talked to people, and in, 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 in the next town, in town's over, and they say, "Oh, you've got a great church, but you know, we just can't drive all that far to go to your church." I've had I've, I've had people I've had people tell me, "Oh, I, I I would come to your church if I just didn't have to drive over the hill to get to your church." See, we're looking for the deep. We're looking. My goodness, I'm preaching. I'm preaching whether you believe I am or not. Yeah, you are. And so we look at all of that, and instead of and instead of being Holy Ghost people, we become people. Of comfort. Yes. And can I tell you this before, before, before I move on. I'm 25 minutes into this. And I haven't even reached my first point yet. But I'm going to preach it anyway. <laughs> and, the fact of the matter is, and the fact of the matter is this. Your comfort and my comfort can't overcome the evil that is trying to inf infiltrate the church. And if we're more concerned with our marketing abilities, if we're more concerned with our comfort, if we're more concerned with, with, with our ease, we'll never overcome what the enemy is trying to do to the people of God. So what was different about this church? Here it is. Number one, God poured His Spirit out upon this church as a response, this is my first point. In a response to fervent prayer. They didn't complain. They didn't, they, they, they didn't, they didn't take a poll. They didn't call the Lord together and ask them, um, hey pastor, they're threatening us. Do you think maybe that we ought to just, um, maybe just tone it back a little? They didn't do any of that. The Bible says that they started to pray. When the pressure was put on them, they prayed. When there was a decision to be made, they prayed. When they didn't know what to do, they prayed. And God always responded with an outpouring of His Spirit. 
Now listen, you want your home to change? You want your you want your education system to change. You want your government to change. You want your you, you want your you want your communities to be shaken to its very foundation with an outpouring of the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you, pray. Get on your knees and begin to pray. Why? Because the Bible says in the Book of James that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman availeth much. You know the reason why that there's not much availing right now is because the Church of the Living God hasn't been doing a lot of praying. Oh, I'm a, I'm not even, not even going to go down that road. You see, there is a spirit in this day and age. That is wanting to shut us down. There is a spirit in this day, in this age, that is wanting us to shut up. That is not wanting us to speak up. That is not wanting us to stand up. But when the spirit of the Lord is genuinely poured out upon sons and daughters, you can't sit down. You can't speak. You, you, you can't shut up. You can't just sit by the wayside. Because when, the, when you begin to pray and you begin to seek the face of God and you begin to, and God begins to pour out His Spirit, you become like Jeremiah. What Jeremiah would say in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9 when he says, I didn't want to speak. He said, I want to just sit there. All those heathens, they, I try to preach to them and I told God I'd never say another word to them again. But it's just like a fire that is shut up in my bones. And it becomes weary for me to even hold it on the inside of me. I can't help. I'm like Peter and John. I can't help but speak the wonderful works of God. Okay, here we go. I I don't necessarily care what... I know this sounds mean what I'm getting ready to say. I, I, I don't necessarily care what you feel about alcohol. Because I'm not here to get into a biblical debate with you about what the Bible has to say. What I want to tell you, right before I got here, and I'm just going to say it, but there were weak, anemic, spineless, powerless pastors that refused to stand up in this community and said, we won't have that garbage in our community. Half of you saying amen, half of you are waving the stone me, but that's okay, I'm going to preach it anyhow. But the fact of the matter is this. The fact of the matter is this. We say, well, I don't, I, I, well, I don't, I don't see, I don't see what's wrong with taking it. Okay, I'm just going to preach it. I don't see what's taking, I don't see what's taking wrong with a little drink every now and then. The Lord knows if my nerves get, get shot every now and then and I need a glass of wine or I need a beer or whatever like that. The last time, it, it said, so you need to talk to those people also that over, that overeat as well if you're going to preach on drinking. Well, let me tell you something. I've never met a man in my life that left his family over a steak dinner. I've never met, I've never met a man that beat, that beat his children over the fact because he had one too many donuts. But I do know some people that beat their wives and beat their children because they don't know because they, because they drink and because they have their... And I want to tell you, it is time for the church of the living God to stand up because true Holy Ghost filled men and women of God will stand up and say, you know what? It, 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 it won't come here to my house. It won't come here to my church. It won't come here to my family. It will, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now. And I tell you, it'll come when men and women pray. 
Mm. You see, I'm still on my first point, and I'm 31 minutes into this, but I'm a, I'm, is this okay? Come on. <laughs> we are living in extraordinary times. Yes. Right? We're living in extraordinary times. And so extraordinary times require extraordinary prayer. Yes, amen. Our lives and our churches, listen to me, our lives and our churches need to be disrupted. They, my life, your life, our church need to become disrupted. We need a disruptive move of the Spirit of God. And that only comes from prayer. There is a movement in Pentecostalism and charismatic churches that are getting away from actually intercession. So you shouldn't have to intercede. All you've got to do, now listen, nobody get mad at me, but all you've got to do is just speak it. Just speak it. You don't have to pray. Just speak it. No, that is a false doctrine. I believe in declaring. I believe in, I believe in all of that. Don't get me wrong. But the way that things have happened in our nation is in a direct correlation to how the church has been praying. And we are living in, a, in extraordinary times. We are living in times like none other. When our kids are prescribed puberty blockers. When moms and dads are taking their kids to the doctor. And they don't want their, they don't want their boys to turn into men. And they don't want their daughters to be developed, to develop into women. And we just become indifferent on the sidelines. Because we're more concerned with what we need. While the whole time hell is raging all around us. But extraordinary times requires extraordinary prayer. And our lives need to become disruptive. Number two. Number two. Not only was it a response to fervent prayer, but it was a response to not being content. I am not satisfied. I am not satisfied with a half-hearted measure of the Spirit of God. Can I tell you this? God does not peace out His Spirit. You see, oh Lord, we have too many Christians still that we like being touched as long as that touch doesn't require anything of us. And that's the reason, Pastor, I, that's the reason why there are some people you won't see them until the next revival. You won't see them till the next camp meeting. You won't see them until until all hell has broken loose in their lives. Mm-hmm. And then they come in because they want the touch, mm-hmm. but they don't want the change. Yes. That's it. 
And so, for us, as Christians, we live our lives kind of similar at times. Oh, we love it. Oh, we love when the Spirit of the Lord comes down during worship. We love when the preacher, when, when the preacher preaches a good, fiery message and a fiery sermon. But and that's good. I, man, I even, I even shook a little bit, and I even, I, I, I even came down to the altar I, because it felt so good. But what happened to the people who didn't want to be content? You see, here's the thing. Do you know that eventually this oil will go bad? Oh, but it's here. It's sitting here in the nice jar, in its nice container, and it's pretty and it's contained. But if it just simply becomes contained long enough and we don't allow it to flow, that oil will go bad. And unfortunately, some of us just simply become stale in our faith and in our anointing. But I'm like David, when David would say in Psalm chapter 42 in verse 1, when he would say, as a deer pants after the water brook, so my soul longs for you. I thirst for you. Deep is calling unto deep. It's calling unto you. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with what happened last year. I'm not satisfied simply with what happened at the last revival. I'm not satisfied. See, the thing is, we've become. I, I, I was having a conversation with a pastor last night, and he told me. He said, "He said, brother Jeremy, he said we've become satisfied with with Pentecostal events." We've become satisfied with Pentecostal events. We've become event-driven. See, we bring in the best speaker. We, 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 we bring in this preacher. We bring in this, this evangelist. And we do, we do all of that. And so we become event-driven, but we haven't become presence-driven. Mm. We've become personality-driven, but we haven't, come, we haven't become Holy Ghost-driven. Mm. You see, don't be content in the middle of this darkness. Don't lose hope because here's the hope for you tonight. Is that this is not a tragedy, but it's a harvest. What we are seeing in our nation right now, it's easy to weep and I weep. At times, over what I am seeing, I, I, I moan and I groan over what I am seeing in our nation and some of our churches today. But it also gives me the hope 
that if we begin to cry out to God, if we begin to cry out for our children, if we begin to cry out for our communities, if we begin to cry out for our churches in the midst of this darkness, it will turn the tragedy into a harvest because we as the Spirit-filled believers are triumphant. And finally, number three, I'm trying to, I'm skipping over a lot of good stuff here, but number three, I want to remind you that God in these last days is actually doing a glorious work. After they had prayed, God pour out His Spirit. So here's what I want to tell you. Are you ready? For those that are hungry, the greater the animosity, the greater the outpouring. I want to say that again. The greater the animosity, the greater the outpouring. You see, that's the reason why I say, I'm not trying to take more time than I need to. That's the reason why I can't live on yesterday. Yesterday doesn't sustain me today. I ate yesterday, but guess what? Today I'm still going to get hungry. Yes. And so there's always the outpouring for us. Remember, remember Esther, the evil that came against the Jewish people in the book of Esther. Mordecai looks at Esther and says, Who knows? But maybe you have been appointed. Maybe you have been chosen for such a time as this. Can I tell you tonight, church? I believe the harvest time. I believe that those that are watching me, I believe that those that will be hearing this message around this world, have been chosen for such a time as this. I believe that a testimony is rising up. I believe that cries are becoming testimonies. Not just in the church building, but on the street corner. Not just in the church building, but in the middle of Kroger. Because I'm going to tell you, when true, when true people are filled by the Spirit of God, testimonies will spring up all over the place. Acts chapter 3, the man who was laid at the gate called Beautiful, he wasn't healed in church. He was healed on the corner of the street somewhere. Amen. And the thing about it is, is I believe that God is pouring out His Spirit on people in these last days. So that as we depart out of the church building, it is no longer a thing of, well, let's get them, let's get them to the building. If we get them to the building, God will do something. No, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You ought to be operating it in outside of this building. Amen. And so God is doing a glorious work. We are not victims, but we are victors. 
And I believe that it is time in these dark days to ask God for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. Stand with me all over this house. I want us to pray. I want us to ask God for this. Do you know, there was a lady in our church when I first got saved. I will never forget it. Powerful woman of God. I think when when I got saved, she was... She was already in her 80s. And I remember her telling me one time. I was sitting at her house when I was about 16 years old. Because when I got saved I wanted to be around people. That believed in this thing. Not just simply simply talk about it. When... When Jessica and I first met and we first started dating, she had the privilege to meet some of these people that were so precious to me. We went to visit one in the nursing home and as soon as we walked in there, she sat up in bed in in the nursing home and she just started. She just started speaking in tongues and praising the Lord. Just started... Just started prophesying and declaring the Lord. She, she was, couldn't take care of herself. But when that anointing began to flow, I mean, it was, it, was like she was, it was like she was in her right mind. But when I was 16, I was talking to this one particular lady, and she told me, she said, you know, the God, she said, the Lord baptized me in the Holy Ghost when I was, I think she said she was 17 or 18 years old, and she said, I prayed after that day every day, God, every day. Baptize me afresh in your spirit. Because I've got to have your spirit today to overcome what is facing me. Overcome what the enemy is trying to do. Overcoming what the the temptations and the onslaughts of the enemy. You've heard it said, and I, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be f- funny or anything, but there's those memes that say, you know, do you, do you have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? No, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. I mean, I mean, you need the Holy Ghost to discern what you need to watch on TV. We need the Holy Ghost to be able to discern what we should be listening to on the radio. We need, in these times, we need the outpouring of the Spirit of God so much more in our lives. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007.
or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.